Say amen as Pastor Ben comes to bring the word today. Let's give him a hand. <laughs> Pastor Ben, we want you to know we love you and we appreciate your ministry in this house. It's not easy to prepare the word and bring it. You have to really listen. So praise the Lord for Pastor Ben. Would you come and pray over the word today? Let everybody else can stretch your hands toward Pastor Ben. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus, for this gift. We rejoiced when you sent her to this house, and we still continue to rejoice. Thank you for this vessel. Uh, we appreciate all the times those of us who have traveled with them, seen a minister. We thank you for all the youth he's poured into, all the adults he's poured into, and we give you glory for that. But, Father, we want a fresh anointing today. You know the purposes. You know the plans. You know the places that you want us to take beyond today, beyond this word. So, Father, we pray your blessing on this vessel. That you would open up our ears, you'd open up our hearts to receive, yes. that we'd be all thoroughly equipped yes. to do the ministry that you called us to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, church. Can you hear me? Green light. Check one, two. Hey, hey. We're getting there. Hello? Can you hear me now? Woo oh, man. It's been a while since I've been with you guys. Uh, and not, well, I'm still a little bit in the fog. Uh, just did the, did the figure in. I've been in, slept in 10 different beds in the last month. I'm so happy to be in my own. Uh, Good to be with you. Uh, Pastor Jim sends his greetings. He's on a cruise. Um, yeah, dude, uh, there, there's just so much uh, I've gotten to hang out with the youth. We got to go to Mexico, got to preach the gospel, teach the gospel, present the gospel. Uh, Minister, pray for people, do stuff. Uh, amazing time. Uh, amazing time together. There was some real uh, team building and bonding. Uh, I got to go take the junior high last week. Went up to, you know, six hours away to Sand Hill Lake Bible Camp. Uh, and then drove six hours back. And then a day later, drove six hours back with the senior high. So, uh, in doing all that, and I'm not trying to get pity points or anything, I'm just, in doing all that, there's nothing as much fun as it was, as much, uh, as much fun as we had, as great as it was, as we, we saw the power of God move, we saw amazing things happen, especially this week. I'm telling you, Tyler says there was, wasn't a service less than three hours this week, there was, as the week went on, I'm telling you, there was just, we dismissed the kids and nobody would leave. Powerful. I mean, we're having four and a half, five hour services, just sitting waiting. It was beautiful. Saw God move in, in powerful ways. I tell you that all seeing God move and do things and getting to go around the world, getting to go to Mexico with my family. There's nothing greater than teaching and preaching the Word of God. I'm so honored and privileged to be able to 
share the word with you this morning. I, I look forward to it. I hope you do too. So, true wisdom. We're talking about true, true wisdom this morning. There is a house built on sand and a house built on the rock. Just get the picture for a moment. So when it comes to true wisdom and what Jesus was talking about on the, the, the wise and foolish builders, we're going to get to that later on in the message. We're going to get to the wise and foolish builders. But as we talk about the wise and foolish builders, if you look at the context of what he's saying, the context of what he's saying is all in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. He preaches the Sermon on the Mount. He sits, down, he sits down on a hillside with his disciples, and everybody else is listening in. He sits down. He preaches this amazing sermon, a totally upside-down, rock-your-world, crazy, life-changing sermon, and says, you've heard the words, you've heard the message, you'd be wise or be foolish. The context of the wise and foolish builder is... Take my words that I'm teaching you right now, that I've, that I've taught you. For, I don't know how long this sermon took. It's probably a while. Preach the Sermon on the Mount. Totally spoke into their culture and who they were. And I'm telling you, the Sermon on the Mount spoke directly to their hearts. As we've been talking about since February, we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount. The context of the wise and foolish builder, he gets... We'll, we'll get to it. Here's the context. The Beatitudes. Let's go do a little review. Matthew 5, starting in verse 3. Blessed is the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed is the poor in spirit. Andrew talked about the poor in spirit. It's us coming to the place where we realize we need him. Blessed are you when you realize you need Jesus. Blessed are you when you realize you need the power of the cross. Blessed are you when you realize you need what Jesus came to offer you. Blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. You can't do it on your own. That, if that, that that's, could be the message right there. <laughs> you can't do it on your own. They know their need for God. You've got to know your need for God. If you don't know your need for God, you think you can do it all yourself. It's not, uh, not, not the blessing. Blessed are those who mourn. Peg brought a message talking about mourning. I'm going through hurt, pain, difficulty. Blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted. Blessed are they who mourn. The context of what he's talking about is mourning over your sin, mourning over, over your brokenness. God, I'm broken. I'm hurting. I need you. That's where God can come and bring healing. That's where God can come. We're, we're in a place of denial and in a place of... I don't really, I'm not, I'm not a, really a sinner. I don't deal with that. I don't struggle with that. I don't, you got to come to a place where you're mourning over your sin. God, I'm sorry for the things I'm doing that, that's breaking your heart, the things that you sent your son to die on the cross for. 
And if nothing else, it, it, it affects and, and, and changes our intimacy with Jesus. Our intimacy with the Lord. Your sin, you've got to mourn over that. I'm sorry for the way it's come between me and you, Jesus. Blessed are the meek. Meek is not weak. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It's coming to a place where I'm totally secure in, in who God is and who I am. And You can write stuff like Moses when he says he was the most humble man in all the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mashan preached the message on hunger and thirst. Are you hungry and thirsty for righteousness? Do you hunger and thirst for it? For they will be filled. Stay hungry. Stay hungry for purity. Stay hungry for right things. Righteousness with God. Stay hungry for it. Hunger and thirst for it. You know, when somebody's hungry or thirsty in the natural, when somebody's hungry and thirsty in the natural, I mean, I've brought junior high kids to camp. I, I know what, when, you, when you're driving for six hours and you go past time when they're hungry, I guess you start hearing about it. When are we going to stop? Dude, we're only an hour into our trip. Just stop. When somebody's hungry and thirsty, that's the only thing on their mind. That's the only thing they care about. That's the only thing. That's, that's their focus. When you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, it's, it's what I'm focused on. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty for it. I think about it. I give it my thoughts. I give it my heart. I give it my intentions. Blessed are the merciful. Well, to be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. You want to know why you're not seeing God? You, know, you don't see him clearly. You don't see what, who he is and what he's about. You don't see his heart. It's an issue of purity. We had, a, we had a breakout session with the senior high guys this week. I'm telling you, it was powerful talking about living purity and contending for purity and, and challenge them to live pure in, in, a, in, a, in a world that is completely impure. In a world that's messed up. We're going to talk about purity, man. Stop making excuses for sin. Jesus, later on in the Sermon on the Mount, gets more in detail and more into that, but be pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers in a, in a world of violence. Blessed are the peacemakers, man. It's, it's, I can remember the context of that message was, it's not easy to make peace. It's going to cost you something. To be a peacemaker, it's not just like, let's all live in peace, let's all live in harmony. No, it it's actually takes effort and actually takes, a lot of times, sacrifice. Let me... Let me bring reconciliation, let me bring, let me bring peace to this situation. Blessed are the persecuted. On a Good Friday service, we got to hear from some of our 
family of church pastors or their stories of persecution was powerful. I remember the context of the persecuted message was, if you're a jerk and you reap what you sow, don't call that persecution. That's the gist of what the message, right? Lesser you're persecuted for the kingdom. This is kingdom thought, kingdom thinking. I'm not trying to diminish or put down people that are persecuted. I'm not, I'm not trying to... You get my heart. The next, uh, the context of the wise and foolish abilities, it goes into salt and light. Salt and light in uh, chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. You're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Salt loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except be thrown out and trampled on men. I went through, uh, I, I saw recently a, I, I was just curious and looked it up on Google, uses for salt. It was amazing. There were so many uses for salt. I'm just thinking spiritually. I can't, don't have time to preach the message this morning. But just thinking practically, in the spiritual context, we're called to be salt. We're called to bring purity. We're called to uh, melt ice. We're called to, we're called to bring flavor. We're called to preserve. We're called to, to heal. Come on. There's so many uses for salt. You, you get the picture. God's called us to be the salt of the salt of the earth. If you're going to be salty, you look different than everyone else. You ever wonder why you feel like you're, you're all alone? Because salt, when it's all in one place, is really salty. It's got to be spread out a little bit. That's why we got, each got our own little world and our own little place, our own little place in God's kingdom. We're not salt when it's all together. kind of gets nasty. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. May see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I, this, just, this week, I uh, got to preach the message of the truth of the gospel. Uh, and I tell you, just in, in several weeks of preparing my heart to preach that message and just thinking about the gospel and what the gospel is, it was challenging to me even. When it says you're the light of the world, I mean, we talk about the, the light of the gospel and this scripture is talking about don't be hiding. Don't be hiding it. Don't be hiding who God made you to be. Don't be hiding the truth of the gospel. Don't be hiding the truth of God's word. Don't be hiding. Don't hide it. Light and darkness, you, you read other scriptures, it says light and darkness don't really go along. They don't mix. They don't go together. The next one was fulfillment of the law. Jesus talked about, I came to fulfill the law. In the Old Testament, they had uh, 613 rules that they were trying to follow. 613 things that they were trying to get right, trying to do. Don't do, don't do, do this, do that. Don't. Blah, blah. And Jesus came and he said, I came to fulfill a lot. Not, and guess what? Your righteousness is going to be 
greater than those that are following the law to a T. Said, hey, you know that, that, that whole thing about the law, and I came to fulfill the law. You're right, it's not in, in what you do anymore. It's not in, if you can keep those 613 laws, it's, it's relationship with me, and because you have relationship with me, you're in right standing before the Father. Second Corinthians 5. God made him a new no sin to become sin for us so that we could stand before God in right standing. God made him who knew no sin so we could be the, become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have become Righteous. Verse 20. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you've got to come through Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Uh, heard this illustration, you know, my... My wife uh, was four years ago, four years ago had a seizure. I don't need to go into detail. It was crazy, crazy day of my life. Uh, we went and uh, had MRI, CAT scan, uh, EEG, all these tests. I remember looking at the, the we finally saw the, the scan and there was a little mark on her brain and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And there was something about the only thing that scan showed us was there was something wrong. It didn't show us anything about how it could be healed. It did not have the power to heal. It it showed us there was something wrong. That's the law. It shows you something that was wrong. It has no power. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He came to, he's not just, he's not just the diagnosis, he's also the cure. Murder and anger. Jesus compared murder and anger. Ooh. He equates murder and anger. He's talking about the heart. And I think most of us don't deal with murder. <laughs> most of us. There's, who knows? I'm going to kill them. No. Uh, but Jesus is getting at the heart again. He's saying, you know, you, you have thoughts of anger. You have thoughts, guess what? You, when you lash out in anger and you express your anger in a way that's not c- constructive and healthy and building the other person up, guess what? You're murdering who they are. You're murdering their hopes, their dreams. You're murdering who God's created them to be. You're murdering stuff about them comes down to an issue of the heart. Are you building them up? Are you constructive criticizing? Are you, are you I want to see, ah, you, you know what I'm saying? Got to deal with anger. We don't, I don't want to be guilty of killing people's identity, murdering who they are, murdering who they see themselves at. I, like, like Tyler said, he, he ministered to several people this week who... And I can tell you, I can attest to you, over and over I'm hearing God is disappointed with me, he's angry with me. Where does that come from? 
Next, he gets into adultery, the very same, similar concept. Man, you have adultery. I'm going to talk about lust, even the thought of adultery. It's, again, an issue of the heart. Look what he says in, you've heard it said in verse 27 of chapter 5, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that, that anyone who looks at a woman with lust and has already committed adultery with her in his heart, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose a part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, and throw it away. It is better to lose one part of your body than the whole body to go to hell. Uh, twice he repeats himself. When it comes to the issue of adultery and the issue of lust, the issue of, he's saying if, if there is something that is causing you to fall back into that sin, over and over. You need to deal with it. Get it right. If you don't, it's going to lead you somewhere you don't want to go. That's in red letters. Jesus said it. Deal with it. I, like I said, we had, a, we had a meeting with the guy at senior high camp. We talked openly and seriously about internet pornography. Every single one of the guys deals with it. If your computer is causing you to sin and you keep going over and over back to the same thing, cut it off. It's going to lead you somewhere you don't want to go. If we're going to fight for purity, we've got to be radical, be crazy about it, go psycho. I'm cutting this thing off. I'm cutting it out of my life. I'm amputating it. Jesus was intentionally giving a crazy picture. He was intentionally trying to rile them up. Because guess what? You've been trying for years to overcome internet pornography and you've, and you've not done it. You've got to get a mindset that says, I've got to do something drastic. I've got to do something crazy. I've got to be psycho about it. I want to fight for purity in a generation and place where impurity is all the time. Talking about how can a young man stay pure, hiding God's word in his heart, meditating on it day and night. Divorce. In that time and culture, it was just like, ah, I'm kind of sick of you, I'm kind of tired of you, I'm going to upgrade, get a new model. model, no pun intended. <laughs> Jesus getting down to the heart again and he's saying, uh, and he gives them very clear, direct uh, immorality is the only excuse. Unfaithfulness is the only excuse. You need, you need, when you're, when you're divorcing and remarrying and doing all this stuff, guess what are you doing to the value of marriage? 
Anybody see that in our today's day and age and culture? The value of marriage decreasing, getting, getting less and less? I thank God for marriage. Thank God for my wife. I want to I add value to my marriage. Paul, Paul later on in uh, Corinthians, uh, expounded on it a little more. If you need more reading, we can get you that. But divorce, as Jesus was very plain. Oaths, let's talk about let your yes be yes and your no be no. Dude, I work with young people. This is, this is a challenge. This is a challenge when, uh, when you're, a lot of times when there's conflict involved or, or, or if there's like, I just want to say yes to everything because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Or they'll say yes, but they have no intention. Yeah, sure. Or when you're going to a place like Sand Hill Lake Bible Camp, you're going, you're pouring your life out, you're, you're trying to get kids to come, you're trying to get them to come, come on, let's go. And, and they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll come, sure. And then like the day before we're about to leave, they, they, I get a text message that says something else came up, something better came up. Oh, I see how it is. You remember, remember the days when, when your yes meant yes and your no meant no? It actually meant something? Do people value your words? Do people value what you say? Can they trust you? Can they trust what you're saying? An eye for an eye. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not raise. Do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other side. Also, if someone wants to sue you to take your tunic, have him, have him take your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to one who asks of you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. In other words, it's, it's not talking about injustice. It's not talking about uh, you're getting beat up. Just turn your cheek. Not, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is it's not about you getting to the top and fighting over people and getting past people to get to, get to where you want to go. It's not about that. It's about serving. It's about laying your life down. It's about, and you can read in the epistles, all kinds of places where it, it talked about the attitude of the heart in serving and thinking of others better than yourself, thinking of others, thinking of yourself with sober judgment. Right? Love your enemies. But you don't know my enemies. How about this? But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Boy, if that doesn't set a standard. You can't do that in your own in your own strength in your own self. In order to, for this scripture to be fulfilled in your life, you need true wisdom. Giving to the needy. It says, 
give to the needy, give. In, uh, if you look in chapter 6 when he says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, in those three areas, he doesn't say, if you ever think about giving, if you ever think about praying, do it this way. If you ever think about fasting or you want to try a fast someday, do it this No, he says, when you pray, when you give, when you fast. As if he's anticipating and expecting this is part of the Christian walk. It's part of this walk with Jesus. You, prayer, fasting, and giving is part of Christian life together. Uh, you, you hear people say, well, well, Jesus came to fulfill the law, so we're not under the law anymore, and therefore we don't have to give 10%. Well, in the same way, Jesus gets to the heart and he says, you think of hatred in your heart toward a brother, you're committing murder. In the same way, he says, you think, uh, you think of your sister with lustful thoughts, you're committing adultery in your heart. In the same way, there's a higher standard for grace. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. It's something, dude, hey, I get the opportunity to give. What Jesus says, what, what he says in his word is, man, I get blessed when I give. What he says in his word over and over, it's, it's better to give than to receive. He said, when we get in the mindset of, you know what, I'm not under the law. Okay, I'm not. But in the same way, it's, it's about the heart. It's not about, I gave 10% and that was it. It's about, I want to be generous. I want to be giver. I want to be, I want to hold it to myself. Is it making sense? God calls us to be givers. And I, and I can tell you from a firsthand ex- example, and even this week, even this week, seeing young people stand before God on the altar and just say, I'm yours, God. I'm going to tell you, church, it wouldn't have happened for a young person to say, I'm all yours, God, if you wouldn't have given. Half of our kids that go to camp can't afford it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for giving. I'm not trying to be manipulative or anything. I'm saying giving is awesome, and we are so blessed and grateful for your giving. Prayer. He talks about the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. He was giving a, I think he was giving a, not just like this is the way you pray. He's giving a model for prayer. Those of you that work out, you don't do the exact same routine every day. You have a model. I'm going to kind of do these things. I'm going to go to this machine. Right, Ron? He's, He's a Old bodybuilder, he knows. Our Father, we, first of all, we lift up his name. We lift up who he is. We honor him. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We give him praise. Whether that's a worship song, whether that's uh, uh, spending time in prayer, that's spending time just, God, I want to lift you up. Whatever that looks like. But pray for his kingdom first. Your kingdom, come. On here, here on earth as it is in heaven, is praying his kingdom. Praying what, his, what your heart is and where you want to show yourself and what you want to do, God, I'm going to pray that first. What does it look like when his kingdom comes to earth? What does it look like when heaven touches earth? What does that look like? I don't know about you, but I want to see it. I want to see what it looks like when heaven comes, when, when heaven, the kingdom of heaven comes and touches earth. When the kingdom of heaven comes and touches a situation, 
when the kingdom of heaven comes and sets things in order. Pray for your, your needs and the needs of others. A lot of times we get stuck on our needs, but it says, give us this day our daily bread. Praying for your needs and the needs of others. Get right, right with God and with others. Get forgiveness. It talks about forgiveness. I don't know if you don't realize in the Beatitudes and in the Sermon on the Mount how much Jesus talks about, even in that little passage about forgiveness. And the value of forgiveness and how much forgiveness, man, it will kill you. Unforgiveness will kill you. Bitterness will kill you. It will kill who you are. Pray for the deliverance of temptation. Temptation is real. We can't pretend like temptation is not real. We can't pretend like we've overcome all temptation. I never, I'm never tempted, ever. Temptation is real. Every single one of us in this room has something that the enemy wants to use to tempt us. We can't be in the, in the place, in the mindset and mentality, of, I'm, I'm not tempted anymore. I walk in total purity. I walk in total victory. I walk in total temptation. He told us to pray that way. Fasting. Is this, is this going okay, guys? We're just talking through the Sermon on the Mount quick. I know this is review for a lot of us, but we're just, this is the context of the wise and foolish builders. This is what, what he said. You put my words into practice, put what I'm teaching you right now into practice, you'll be wise. Don't do it, you'll be foolish. Fasting. Not a lot of instruction for fasting other than don't do it to show off. Don't do it. Man, you just think of pride to look spiritual. That's not the point. Again, he's getting back to the heart. Again, he's getting back to I fast because my flesh needs to die. I fast because I need to learn how to tell my flesh no. Treasure in heaven. He said store up treasures in heaven. It goes back to the whole giving thing. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Uh, if you guys ever heard the story of David Livingston, yeah, he was a missionary in Africa from England. David Livingston uh, gave his life for the gospel in Africa, went all over Africa, uh, lost his wife to a disease in Africa, kept on preaching, uh, got into a fight with a Wild animal, lost his eye, kept preaching. Even in his old age, was preaching, gave his life and his heart to Africa. I remember they were, he, he passed away. They brought him up through the, the jungles to get him back home on a boat to where uh, they were going to bury him. And they, and they said in their culture, they, not, not to be dishonoring or not to be rude, but they cut his heart out. They said, where his heart is, that's where he's going to be buried. His heart was in Africa. Where your heart is, there your treasure will lie. Where is your heart going to be buried someday? 
Where's your heart going to be buried? Where is your heart? Store up treasures in heaven. Can't serve God in money. Don't worry. It's, not, it's interesting. It goes right from you can't serve God in money, and then he goes right into don't worry about what you eat or drink. Don't worry about... A lot of times we think, like, if I give all for God, I'm, I'm, I'm automatically signing up to be in, in poverty the rest of my life. I'm signing up to be poor. I'm signing up to be... And yes, God does call us to sacrifice. He calls us to not... There's times where we can't live in luxury. There's times where... God's calling us to live uncomfortable. There's times where God's calling us to identify with the poor. But he he talks about laying up treasures in heaven, and the very next thing he says, don't worry. Don't worry. Be happy. Yeah, yeah. Can all your worries add up to a single moment to your life? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Worry. Worrying about where stuff's coming from, worrying about... I think I can boil it down to work hard, pray hard, take care of your family, and God will take care of the rest. Work hard, pray hard, take care of your family, God takes care of, God takes care of it. You do what you got to do. God will, God will honor you. In. Does that make sense? Judge rightly. Talks about judging others. Don't, don't judge lest you be judged. Uh, if, if I was going to boil it down, uh, judge rightly. It's really... Because I don't know about you guys, but a lot, a lot of times you'll hear... Uh, this, this last week we talked... Last two weeks at camp, we talked about truth, what truth is, and how we contend for truth, and how do we know the truth from a lie, and how do we know, uh, a lot of times this, this scripture, don't judge lest you be judged, is used as a, as a battering ram against Christians to say, don't judge me, I can do what I want to do, don't judge me, don't judge me. When this book calls us to a certain standard, This is, this is a book full of truth. If I'm cheating on my wife, you have the right to judge me <laughs> according to this book. I want to know it. Is that making sense? There are standards. There, you know, the, the world comes and says, the world has no idea what truth is anymore. The whole world has no idea what the standards are anymore. They just use this, I can do what I want to do, leave me alone, don't judge me, when, when really the word of God is saying judge rightly. Don't judge unless you'll be judged. For the same way you judge others, you'll be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look to the speck of your or sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let's take the speck out of your eye when, when they're... Uh, let's take the speck out of your eye when, when out of your own eye. Blah. Sorry, I'm losing my spot here. 
when all at the time there's a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then will, you'll see clearly and remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give the dog what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls before swine. If you do, then you'll tra- they'll be trampled under their feet, and then turn and tear you to pieces. I... It's like what happened in Romans 1. They all started doing their own thing, and it comes to the end of Romans 1, and he just talks about the, the, the progression of what happened in, in Romans and how people started t- turning and doing their own thing and turning to uh, homosexuality and started turning, and it was like this big party, and nobody wanted to tell each other what was right or wrong. And it said it actually came to the point, at the very end of Romans 1, it comes to the point where because no one wanted to, because they were only dealing with their own junk, they were dealing with their own stuff, and they didn't want to deal with their own stuff, they began to applaud one another's. That's the world and the culture we live in. Because you don't want to see the stuff in your own life and the, the, the mess of your own life, you begin to look at other people's stuff and say, good job, way to be. Moving right along. Ask, seek, knock. The whole point of that is God answers. Ask and seek, knock. Narrow and wide gate. Now, now, just listen for a moment. As I was reading and studying and trying to think through, I, I apologize, I haven't been able to be in all the uh, salt and light sermon sermons uh, in the last several months, and I have not done my due diligence to listen to them online. I'm sorry. Why not? Oh, man. Don't judge me. It comes down to the last, really the last four, the last four things he shares on the Sermon on the Mount are really, he's making the same point over and over He's making the same point in, in different ways, and he's telling them in different ways. Basically, you do what I, I've asked you to do, it's going to go well with you. You don't do it, it's going to lead you to destruction. He talks about going through the narrow gate and the narrow and wide gate. Narrow gate is the people who listen to my Enter through the narrow gate, for the wide gate is broad, and the road leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but the small gate and the narrow road that leads to life, is only, there's only a few that find it. And he talks about a tree and its fruit, basically two, two prophets. Watch out for false prophets, for they come with you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you recognize them. I'm going to tell you, if you read eschatology and the end times, uh, get an end times understanding of Scripture, you, you read in, in, in Matthew 24, uh, Timothy Thessalonians, Revelation, uh, you read in different places where over and over Jesus warns us against deception. Over and over Jesus warns us, don't be deceived. Because many are going to come in my name claiming and doing many miraculous things and doing 
crazy stuff. And, and it says in, in Matthew 24, many will be led astray. Many will abandon the faith. Timothy talks about they're going to preach what everybody's itching ears wants to hear. I hope I'm not itching your ears this morning. Because if you're going to be honest, the truth, truth of the word of God and the truth of what Jesus spoke and what he said for each one of us, there's, there's things about it that hurt. There's things about it we don't want to listen to. La, 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 la. Two prophets, two disciples. Andrew talked about that last week. And now's where we get to true, true wisdom, two builders. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine has said, everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, Jesus did not have an issue with how nice the house was. He didn't have an issue with know how long it took to build the house. The issue was the foundation. Both those instances, it says, the rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. Every one of us is going to go through seasons and times of beating. Every one of us has seasons and times of Heartache, pain, suffering. You read James chapter 1, it talks about your, your faith is going to go through a testing. Your house is on the rock or it's on the sand, it's going to go through a testing. From the outward appearance, you can't tell what, what's house, what house is on the rock and which one's on the sand. You can't tell. We look at this, this fellowship hall back there. It's a good example. The fellowship hall, when they built it, you'll, you'll notice we have like seven stairways that lead to nowhere. It's true. There's seven stairways that lead to nowhere. When they built that, they didn't think through the foundation can't handle the sanctuary was supposed to be on top of that building over there. The original plan. You can't tell from looking at it. You can't tell from looking at it that was it was built on an old garbage dump. Literally. Is it fixed? No. We can't build over there. We can't build on top. I don't know. Maybe it's settled now. Long enough, who knows. But I lived in a house in Witt, Illinois. I don't know if you know anything of Witt, Illinois. It's a small town. It's uh, between St. Louis and Springfield. I uh, lived in, uh, they called it the Hobby House. It was the oldest house in town. It was an old farmhouse. Uh, and they built it on railroad ties. 
<laughs> it was a nice house. It was not solid at all. In the summer, in the, in the summer, the doors would like scrape on the floor. In the winter, the house would settle in such a way that the doors never shut on top. It would like everything would shift. Like doors were pointless in that house. Seriously. There was no reason for doors. Even to shut the front door, it was bam. Foundations are dug down deep. Foundations are not something that people see. Foundation, uh, when I think of the wise and foolish builder, I think of the foolish builder probably cut some corners on how long would it take him to, to dig down to bedrock, dig, dig down to the, so there's solid foundation? It's not talking about, you know, you see pictures of a, a, a house that's on, on, like literally on the beach. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a house in, in Middle Eastern times and in that place and day and age, the houses were built. You had, there was sand and then underneath was bedrock. You had to dig down and get down to the foundation. You had to dig down. So my question to you is, if God wants you to get your life built on a solid foundation, what's it going to cost to get down to that solid rock? Do what he says. This is basically, the whole message comes down to these two points. Do what he says. Don't be a fool. Do what he says and don't be a fool. So since February on, we can boil it down to those two things. <laughs> Do what he says and you're wise. Put this stuff into practice. Put it into practice. Put it into practice and you'll be wise. Don't, and you'll be a fool. Actually, the, the Greek word for fool in that time is moros. Anybody know what moros sounds like? In that language, they were actually saying that. Don't be a moron. And we try not to be so offensive, but that's what he was saying. Don't be a moron. Build your life on what I'm teaching you. Build your life on this foundation, the foundation of this teaching. Build your life on it. James, one of any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will, it will be given to you. I, I, want, I want to be wise. I want to live wise. I want to live not as a fool. I want, I want understanding. Kids are getting out. We've got to hurry. Uh, listen faster here. Two kinds of wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Does it sound like the Beatitudes to you? tell you, build your life on those on the foundation. That's, that's true wisdom. If you go back one, dude, such wisdom, the earthly wisdom, 
does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For we have envy and selfish ambition. There you find disorder in every, every evil practice. I, I don't want to live as a fool. First Corinthians 1. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Christ cruci- crucified is God's power and wisdom. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but those who are being saved is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of the age? Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God and the world through its wisdom did not know him, God has placed through the foolishness was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believed. Jews demanded signs, Greeks looked for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and the foolishness to the Gentiles. Those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Let that just sit in your mind for a moment. True wisdom. I think it's 12 o'clock already. Uh, I was hoping to paraphrase enough that I could make it short so that we'd have time to just, dude, we just hit like 22 different things. I think for all of us, there's probably at least one of them where Jesus is talking to our heart. There's one of them where Jesus is, is speaking to us. There's one of us where Jesus is saying, you know, you just heard the word. You just heard my teaching. You can walk out of here and continue to be a fool, continue to be a moron. <laughs> Not trying to be offensive. That's what Jesus said. You can walk out of here, continue to deal with it, struggle with it, have your life not on it. Or you can do what, do what I'm asking you to do. Walk out of here and be wise. So I'm going to have the worship team come back up. So we just want to, I know time is short. This is like a really short service compared to what I've been in the last week. Seriously, stand before the Lord this morning and ask him, God, I just heard several months of teaching. Several months of teaching. I want to be wise. I want to live in wisdom. I don't want to be a fool. I'm going to ask the elders and wives to come, come forward. Um, Kathy. You got something the, the Holy Spirit is putting his spotlight on and Jesus is. You know what? I deal with anger. I get angry. I say things to people I shouldn't say. I do things I shouldn't do. I lose control. I struggle with lust, I struggle with my thought life, I struggle with my heart attitude, I struggle with giving, I don't like giving, 
I like being stingy. I struggle with worrying. I worry about where is the next meal coming from. I worry about, I worry about so much stuff. So many different things that the Holy Spirit is can be speaking to us. Whatever it is, I want you to. Holy Spirit comes and says, I want you to go get prayer. I want you to be open and honest and real with somebody. That's what we're here for. We want to help. We want to pray for you. We want, to, we want you to leave here wise. We want, to, want you to leave here a, a wise builder. Amen? Father, we thank you right now, Lord, for every person who rose up and responded and came down. Lord, and we ask you right now to go to the root of the things that entangle us. Go to the heart of the matter, Father, and change our hearts, Lord. Give us a new spirit, a right spirit, Lord. And Lord, as we leave this house today, let us go in your power and anointing, Lord, that every shackle, every chain, every weight is broken off of our lives. And we are free in Jesus' name. We are free in your name, Lord. We will not live like we lived yesterday. We will live better. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and we give you glory. In the name above all things. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise you. Father, we praise you for meeting with us today, Lord. We thank you, God, for taking us out back into our homes and our community with renewed vision, renewed purpose, with strength and power to overcome, Lord. Lord, as we go from this house to our homes, sent to make disciples of all nations, Lord, let us go with the power of your presence over our lives, Lord. Let us share what we've learned here with our families and with our loved ones and our neighbors, Lord. Let us go with a heart of servanthood, realizing who you are and who you've made us to be ambassadors for you. And as we come again to this house or our eternal home, Lord, let us be blessed in our going. In Jesus' name, we thank you. You guys have a wonderful day in Jesus. Praise the Lord and be blessed.